0: Good morning, everyone. Hey, oh, good. Hey, I'm Andrew. I'm the lead pastor here at Coastal Church in Chesapeake. And hey, why don't you guys go ahead and get out your notes and your Bible, whether digital or analog? And you can go ahead and turn to Exodus chapter 25. And we are in the second week of our brand new series that's really an old series that we've been doing over the past few years. Every year around this time of year, we are making our way through verse by verse. At times, chapter by chapter, the first five books of the Old Testament. We've been looking at these first five books because God has been telling this incredible, eternal story from the beginning. From the beginning, God's been telling this story that is for his glory. Church, the story that God has been writing, it is going to turn out for good. The story that he's been writing, even though people have tried to corrupt it, they've tried to stop it, they've tried to destroy it, they've tried to to even denounce God's story, the story that he is writing, look, it is ultimately, it cannot be stopped. And we are asking this question as we continue to go through this series, each week I want to ask you this question, look, if this big story that God has been writing, if this eternal story is for his glory, then what does that mean for my life's story? Look, one of the most powerful and even at times perplexing parts of this story that God is writing is that he is sovereign over all of it, which means that he is in control over all of it. Even at times when it seems like life may be out of control, God has not lost control. So he's sovereign over this big story. And in fact, what he's writing, look, the end of the book, the conclusion of the story, it's already been written. He already knows how the story is going to turn out. But one of the most perplexing parts is that he allows us to choose how most of our stories even written out. So we can choose how our stories actually lived out. And I want to keep proposing to you throughout this series that what Jesus has to offer you, what Jesus has to give you is better thing than you could ever, better than anything that you could ever ask or think or even imagine. So will your life story be For God's glory. Now, this week, of course, I want to ask you a new question to do this second part of the series. Here's a question I want to ask you to start this week two of our series in Exodus. Why are you here? Why are you here? Now, for some of you, okay, students in the room, I know you may be here today because you say, my parents make me come to church. So maybe the reason why you say you're here today is because, look, my parents made me come to church. Let me just even challenge you students in the room, okay, if your parents made you come to church today, let me just challenge you. First of all, obey your parents, okay, honor your parents so it will go well with you. Every time I say that, I really expect like an amen from the parents. Again, parents, I'm trying to help you out, all right? I'm trying to help you out. Look, students in the room, look, yes, unless your parents are asking you to sin, you honor and you obey them and you follow what your parents are asking you to do. So you do want to obey your parents because it will go well with you. But students, could it be, could it be that in this one name, the name of Jesus, purpose is actually found? Could it be that in this name of Jesus, look, the very identity that you're trying to find is found in him? Could it be that in this one name, what so many people search for—hope in life, peace in life—that overcomes anxieties, found in this one name, in the name of Jesus? So maybe, students, if you say, "Why am I here this morning?" My parents may become. Maybe it's time for you to even begin to search out and to look out and see. Maybe this Jesus could just be for me. Maybe it's for time for you to begin to actually own your faith. But church, again. Why are you here? And I'm not. I'm not just saying why are you here, but why are you here? Why are you actually here in this moment? Why are you actually here on this planet? Do you know your purpose for being here? And you may be say, Andrew, look, it's still too early in the morning, be asking questions that deep, okay? Like I can't handle it yet. Look, and I get it. But have you ever wondered why you're actually here on this planet? What is your purpose? You know, last week, we asked the question, where are you going? Relationally, careerally, even spiritually, like, where are you actually going, really? And some of you may say, well, Andrew, forget about where am I going, and even forget about asking why am I here, because right now where I am, I just feel stuck where I am. And come on, right now, are you stuck in a moment, stuck in a mindset, stuck in a pattern of thinking or behavior or even life itself? But have you ever thought about maybe right now even if you feel stuck that God could have purpose in that moment. Look today as we continue in this next part of this series again we're going to see that God is leading his people somewhere. He's leading them to the promised land. And yes, he is leading them to this place, but even more importantly than that, man God is leading them closer to him. He's leading them to this place of his presence. So church, why are you here? Could it be that where you find yourself today on this journey of life is to even see one of the purposes that's in it, the why behind it? And could it be that part of that why is to actually get closer to the Lord your God? Okay, going to turn to your Bible. I said Exodus 24, 25, but we're going to back up a little bit. We're actually going to pick up where we left off in chapter 24, and we're going to start in verse 15. And some of you who are my fill-in-the-blank nerds in the bulletins that we give out, I know some of you guys are looking at that, and you're seeing on there that we're going to be in Exodus chapter 24 through 25. And look, I know you're probably feeling a little bit anxious about that, but don't be scared, okay? Look, we're going to summarize a lot of that, and we're actually going to run a lot of it through the New Testament. Because God begins to give all these details about the tabernacle, the Ark of the Covenant, and even some priestly garments. But even in all these details, we're going to see, look, it is a lot. It is a lot. A lot of details. Even if you've been walking with Jesus for years, you read some of this stuff, you're going to feel overwhelmed. So we're going to summarize some of that. But then we're also going to run it through the filter of the New Testament. Because even in the details that God was giving his people, there is purpose in it. And I believe there's some things that we can see here that God was calling his people to do, purpose in what he was calling them to do for the moment that they were in. Part of the reason why they were even created to be on this planet is found in all these details. So we're going to take a look at what the Lord was calling his people to do. And we're going to see that one of the reasons why we are here is that, it's spoiler alert, church, it's still all about him. At the end of the day, why he called him to be here, even in this moment, it was all about him. So come on, are you ready to get into the word of God today? Look, if you're ready, shout amen, okay? All right, Exodus chapter 24, and we'll start in verse 15. Look, right before this, the Lord calls Moses up and all these elders of Israel up, and it says they went up on the mountain to worship the Lord. And then God enters this moment where he just calls Moses up to have this incredible time of worship and pondering the Lord and listening to God. And listen to what it says here in verse 15. It says that Moses went up on the mountain, and the cloud covered the mountain. The glory of the Lord dwelt on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it six days. And on the seventh day, he called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. Now the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire on the top of the mountain in the sight of the people of Israel. Moses entered the cloud and went up on the mountain, and Moses was on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. Then chapter 25, verse 1, the Lord said to Moses, speak to the people of Israel that they take from me a contribution from every man whose heart moves him you shall receive the contribution for me. And this is the contribution that you shall receive from them. Gold, silver, and bronze, blue and purple and scarlet yarns, and fine twine linen, goat's hair, tan ram skins, goat skins, acacia wood, oil for the lamps, spices for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense, onyx stones and stones for setting, for the ephod and for the breastpiece. And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst. Exactly as I show you concerning the pattern of the tabernacle and all of its furniture, so you shall make it. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, you are glorious. God, you are worthy of praise. God, I pray That today, that we would see that you are indeed set apart. But yet, Lord, even right now, where your people are, God, you want to be close to them. God, you want them to bring you glory. And I pray today, Lord, for your people sitting in this room. God, for your people even watching online. God, I pray that you would draw near to us. God, I pray that today, wherever you have us, that we will be a testimony that is for your glory. Lord, this is the chief end of us, that we will bring you glory and honor in every single thing that we do. So I pray, Lord God, that this life story would be for your glory. In Christ's name, amen. Look, church, the Lord brought his people out of Egypt for this moment. And right here in this moment, I believe he was trying to remind him of this first thing. Okay, write this down. First thing, worship is part of our purpose. It is part of our very purpose in life to actually to worship the Lord. In fact, earlier in Exodus chapter 7, the Lord even said, look, this is one of the reasons why I'm bringing you guys out of Egypt is that you may go to the desert and even worship me. In fact, author and theologian Wayne Groom, he says this about that passage in Exodus chapter 7. He said that God had demanded of Pharaoh, let my people go so that they may worship me in the desert. In Exodus 7 verse 16. He says that God brings them out that he may bring them in. Into his assembly to the great company of those who would stand before his face. God's assembly at Sinai is therefore the immediate goal. Come on, the purpose of Exodus, the immediate goal of Exodus. God brings his people into his presence that they may hear his voice and worship him. And again, that word used in Exodus chapter 7 verse 16 when talking about how they went to worship the Lord can even be translated to worship him through service, through sacrifice, and even worshiping him through work. And then or a little bit earlier in Exodus chapter 24, where it says that Moses went up to worship the Lord. The word there translated in the original language, look, it means to bow down. It means to bow down and to bring God glory. So here, just from Exodus alone, there's a couple of definitions of worship I want to give you so that you can have. So we're kind of all on the same page when we're talking about worship. And the first one comes from the Bible encyclopedia. And yes, I still have access to an encyclopedia. Okay, but here's a good definition of worship for you to know. Worship simply means an expression of reverence and adoration of God bringing God glory. And here's the one that I kind of came up with by looking at the two meanings from the words here in Exodus is that worship means to bow down our lives to God, giving him glory as we serve him. Worship means to bow down our lives to God, giving him glory as we serve him. One of the reasons why God saved his people and he rescued them is so that they would literally bow down their lives to him and they would worship him. One of the reasons why we may even feel at times that we are not living out our purpose because there are areas of our lives that we still have not yet bowed down to the Lord and that we're worshiping him in. One of the reasons why we we may even feel like we are stuck where we are because we're not giving God the reverence and adoration that he is due for even the moment that we find ourselves in. As God brought them out of Egypt. When they were under the weight of the oppression and slavery of the Egyptians, forced to worship all these false gods, it was a great weight and oppression that they felt. And as God brings them out, look, one of the purposes that he brings them out for is to worship him, is to bring him glory. And yes, his glory and the worship of him does have some weight for it weight to it, but church, it is a good weight. It is a way where we have freedom to actually follow the one who made us and even create, created us. Now, we see here in the passage today, Moses, look, he goes up, he bows down to worship the Lord. And literally, he is in his purpose as he's seeing the glory of the Lord. And then God actually turns the attention to all the rest of the people. As Moses is having this moment where he is in his purpose, worshiping the Lord, Bringing God glory, seeing the glory of God. God says, look, I want you to take this experience and you're going to give it to all of the people. Which brings us to this, okay? Number two, write this down. Worship should be a priority for all of God's people. Worshiping the Lord. Bringing him this reverence that is due to him. Bowing down our lives to bring him glory. It needs to be a priority for all of God's people. Again, just listen to some of this detail that the Lord begins to give his people as he's creating this design for worship that he wants to begin to help them to see, look, this is one of the reasons why you're here. This should be a priority for everyone. Listen to these details found in Exodus chapter 25 in verse 10. He says, They shall make an ark of acacia wood. Two cubits and a half shall be its length, a cubit and a half its breadth, and a cubit and a half its height. You shall overlay it with pure gold, inside and outside you shall overlay it, and you shall make on it a molding of gold around it. And you shall put into the ark the testimony that I shall give you. Then in Exodus chapter 26, verse 1, Moreover, you shall make the tabernacle with ten curtains of fine twine linen and blue and purple and scarlet yarns. You shall make them with a cherubim skillfully worked into them. The length of each curtain shall be 28 cubits, in the breadth of each curtain, four cubits, all the curtains shall be the same size. Five curtains shall be coupled to one another, and the other five curtains shall be coupled to one another. Now, again, church, okay, I know, again, God gives a lot of details here in these chapters. I'm going to summarize all these chapters for you in just a second, but remember this, okay? Remember that these people, this group of people, the Hebrew people that came out of Egypt was probably about two million people by conservative numbers that God rescued out of Egypt and he has them on this journey through the wilderness now in Mount Sinai getting ready to go to the promised land but it wasn't just the Hebrew people that were part of it like the Bible even says in Exodus that it was a a mixed multitude of people so there were even some Egyptians who, when they saw what the Lord did, saw him moving in power, so that, hey, there really was one, one and only God, one God alone. There were some Egyptians who said, like, I want to be on that side of history. And they left with the Hebrew people. And not to mention Egypt itself probably had slaves from other nations that were part of this group of people. So you have literally a mixed multitude of all backgrounds, even different religious beliefs, and what the Lord is trying to do is take that 400 years of slavery and bondage and Egyptian idol worship, and he's beginning to give them all these details little by little because sh- he wants to show them that, look, the ultimate worship is only for one God, giving him the glory that is due. So little by little, detail by detail, man, God has given them these steps to really to pull Egypt out of them and to put them under one name, under one culture, under one God, to submit their lives to him and him alone. And when he's showing the people right here, again, even with all the things at their own, look, worship of this one and only God, it is to be a priority. And right here in these chapters, look, he shows us that it's a priority in preparation, okay? It's a priority in preparation, Look, this part of Exodus really is this preparation for this corporate worship. Remember, God brought them out to bring them in to worship him. And so in Exodus chapter 25, we see that the contributions that were to be given for this corporate worship. Again, the Ark of the Covenant was to be designed. And in the Ark of the Covenant would go these reminders of God's faithfulness and even his word. Even in this, it was to point people, look, as you prepare, like you need to remember God's faithfulness and his word. In Exodus 26, we see the tabernacle design. And as the tabernacle was going to be set up, again, it was supposed to call the people to worship the Lord. This wouldn't be something that would be simple to do or just happen quick. They were to prepare to worship the Lord. In Exodus 27, we see the instruments that would contribute to worship. In Exodus 28, we even see the people that were, con- were to contribute to worship with the priest and the people who are going to be helping the priest. Look, all of this preparation was to lead the people to prioritize worship of the Lord. Church, what you are preparing for, you're prioritizing. What is a priority in your life, you will prepare for Look, I want to challenge you. As we see this example, the people prioritizing this assembly of worship, I want to challenge you that, again, in this brand new year, that you would prepare and prioritize making this assembly of worship a priority in your life. Again, like right now, all the stats show that committed followers of Jesus will go to church about 1.3 times a month. The average follower of Jesus goes to church about 1.3 times a month. I want to challenge you to not be an average follower, but to be an authentic follower. And that you would make this assembly of the believers a priority. You would even prepare by saying, you know what, for me, going to church on Sunday morning isn't even a Sunday morning decision. It's a Saturday night decision. I'm going to choose even on Saturday night. Look, again, unless I am, unless my arm is cut off and I need to go to the emergency room, Unless I'm out of time, I'm going to gather together with these other believers to worship the Lord. It is going to be a priority to me. In fact, I would challenge you that you would prepare by even pre-deciding that I'm going to go to church on Sunday mornings. Man, we see that the people were prepared, right? It wouldn't just take a moment. They had to do all these things like to get ready to worship the Lord. And so we, at least in our 2024 culture, can pre-decide, look, we're going to go to church on Sunday mornings. But then we also see great participation from the people. Look at chapter 28, verse 1. The Lord says, look, then bring near to you Aaron and your brother, Aaron your brother, and his sons with him from among the people of Israel to serve me as priest, Aaron and Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu and Eliezer and Ithamar. And you shall make holy garments for Aaron your brother for glory and for beauty You shall speak to all the skillful who have filled with the spirit of skill, that they make Aaron's garments to consecrate him for my priesthood. Look, even here, okay. Um, Steve, do we have that picture of the priestly garments that that we had up there? Can you put that up? Right there. Look at that. Look at that cool. Do you guys wish I still wore that type of stuff today as well? But look, okay. One of the main goals of the priest was to call people to their purpose. And again, their purpose was to worship the Lord and to bring him glory. And so even the things that they wore around them was supposed to be a call to remind people of their purpose, which is to worship the Lord and to prioritize in every area of their lives, to bow down in every area of their lives and to worship the Lord. In fact, on their breastplate and even on their shoulders, like they were supposed to wear these pieces of jewelry. They were supposed to be seeking wisdom from the Lord, seeking the word of God. They would even wear the names of the 12 tribes of Israel on their, on their outfits, their priestly garments. And again, it was supposed to be this reminder that, look, all these 12 tribes, our goal is that we are in covenant with the Lord and we wanna see more and more people in covenant with the Lord. Look, even the bells on the bottom of their robe Like Some of that, like some people have said, like when it it came to the bells that were on the bottom of their robe, because they were going to the Holy of Holies at times, and they were listening for the bells. Because if the bells stopped ringing, that means that the priest had died because he hadn't confessed his sin before the Lord. He had done something wrong, and he probably died in there, and they needed to pull him out. That was part of it. But the bells, even as they rang, as the priest was ministering on behalf of the people, the bells were supposed to be a reminder for everyone who could hear. Man, we are worshiping the Lord in this moment. It was literally a call for more people to step into their purpose, to bow down their lives, and to worship the Lord. Now, the good news is, right now we have a great high priest. Anybody know who that great high priest is? I can't hear you. Jesus. Jesus is always the answer in church, right? But listen to what it says here in Hebrews chapter 4 about this great high priest that we now have. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who is in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence, church, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Man, this is a reminder that our great high priest right now, like his ultimate call is to draw more and more people to worship the Lord to find their purpose in him. So they may receive the grace and the mercy that they need in their time of need. So we have this incredible great high priest that invites us now to bow down our lives and to enter into the presence of the Lord and find our purpose there. But then we also have a bunch of other priests. Now do this for me, okay? I want you to point to the priests that are in this room. Are there any in this room? Anybody? Anybody? I hear some mumbling. People are scared to say what the right answer is. You could say Jesus again. I mean, he's a great high priest. right? He's always the, the answer in church. Okay? If you are in Christ, okay, if you are in Christ, which means that, man, you understand that this Jesus who is God, he died on the cross to pay the price for our sins. He bodily rose from the dead. If you've repented of that sin, believe this good news that is the gospel if you receive this life to the full that Jesus wants to do in you and through you, if you know the gospel, you believe the gospel, you are in Christ. And you wanna know what the Bible says in the New Testament that the priests are right now, the ones who are designed and called to bring more and more people to find their purpose and worshiping the Lord, it's you and it's me. Listen to what Peter says here now about the priests that are in Christ. He says, but you, and he's talking to the church. Again, he's talking to those who have believed the gospel. And yes, even those who one day will believe the good news about Jesus. He says, but you are now a chosen race. Come on, the Lord has chosen you. He didn't need you. And even though he knows every single detail about you, he has chosen you. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. A people for his own possession. That you, here's a reason, here's your part of your purpose, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Look, once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Again, church, let me just remind you that one of the reasons why the priests even existed was to bring more people to find their purpose in worshiping the Lord and to glorify God. And the Bible says, look, if you are in Christ, like you are now these 21st century priests, every single one of you who are in Christ. So let me just challenge you as a church that you would be more priestly one of the things that preachers are supposed to do, again, is to call people to worship the Lord and to bring him glory. Let me challenge you, dads in the room, granddads in the room, great granddads in the room, be this in your home. Would you lead the way in calling more people in your home to worship the Lord and bringing glory to him? Look, I know we live in a culture right now where it says that, uh, men should kind of step aside, fall to the side, and maybe manhood doesn't even exist anymore. But one of the things that God has called men to do is to lead their families in this priestly way. And if you're, if you're anything like me, look, look, church, I understand. Men in a room, look, I understand. There are times when I want to abdicate that responsibility to someone else. There are times when I know I should be more priestly in my home and leading my family more and more to worship the Lord. But there are times like I come home and I hear a fight happening in the house. I know this moment for me to maybe even step in and to leave my family. I was like, you know what? She'll handle it. My wife will handle it, handle it. or maybe they'll work it out or something like that. Like I got other things I need to do. Like I know that at times we want to abdicate that responsibility. But I want to challenge you that you would follow your great, high priest, and you wouldn't abdicate that responsibility to anyone. But even in your home right now, like you would be that type of priest that the Lord has called you to be, and you would call and lead more people in your home to worship the Lord and to bring him glory. Mom's in the room. Grandma's in the room. Look, the Lord has called you to be a priest in your home. Which means that you are to call and lead your kids, your grandkids, to worship the Lord and to bring him bring him glory. Look, the call is not that you would worship your kids or that they would worship you. The call is that you would present them to the one who's great and excellent, who's brought you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Come on, moms in the room, would you become more priestly in your home, leading your kids to worship the Lord and even bring him glory? And even young adults in the room, like the whole goal and purpose of life is not to bring more glory to yourself or to have more, more of your name and more of your fame out there. But the whole goal and purpose of life is to bring more people out of darkness into his marvelous light. It is to lead more people to worship the Lord and bring in glory. Look, we are a kingdom of priests called to bring glory to God by even bringing others to bring glory to God. But we also see here, look, prioritizing worship means that we also need to check our posture, okay? We need to check our posture. Your worship itself here in Exodus. In the original language, again, it means to bow down, to worship the Lord, to serve him with reverence and praise and adoration, and to bring glory to God. In fact, Hebrew says it this way in Hebrews 12, verse 28. It says, Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Look, I hope you know that on Sunday mornings, worship is more than just Sunday mornings. Again, it's serving the Lord throughout the week with an attitude of worship. It's bowing down every area of your life to bring him glory, not just on Sunday mornings, but all throughout the week. But I still want to challenge you when you're here on Sunday mornings, when you're assembling with the other believers, like you would check your posture. Because sometimes we walk in here, look, I know it's been a heavy week. I know that you would face all sorts of trials and rain and storms and trouble all throughout the week. But even when you come in here on Sunday mornings, what is your heart posture? I can't believe they're singing that song again. That's not my favorite song. I want to sing the song that makes my heart feel really good. Like, what's your heart posture when you come in here on Sundays? Man, I hate the carpet in this room, okay? I hate it. I look at it, and there's stains in it. Don't look at our carpet if you're brand new. Okay, look up. It's a little bit better. Actually, we have some lights out. Don't look up there either. Just look up here, okay? But what is your heart posture when you come in here on Sundays? What are you focused on? And just in case you forgot, it's not about you. It's not about me. You don't come to worship Andrew Segre or Corey Pavlovsky in his skinny jeans and nice shoes and cool hair. You don't come to worship any of those people. You come to worship the one, the one who's brought you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So again, church, when you come on Sundays, what is your posture when you come into this place? All right, I'm going to give you the next two together, Again, okay, and we're going to bring this message home, okay, because I know it's a lot, four chapters of Exodus, a lot of details that God gives, but even in his details, he's given us purpose to prioritize what matters most in worshiping him. Two more, okay, number three and number four together. Number three is worship and generosity are always in partnership. And then number four, God had already provided for his worship. Look, worship and a heart of generosity are always together. They're connected. And then we see here that God, for this worship he was asking the people to do, where their purpose is found in it, where it's supposed to be a priority for him, God had Already provided for everything that it would take to bring him glory. In fact, listen to what it says here again in chapter 25 and verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, He said, Speak to the people of Israel that they take for me a contribution. From every man whose heart moves him, you shall receive the contribution for me. And this is the contribution that you, you shall receive from them gold, silver, and bronze blue and purple and scarlet yarns and also fine twine linen and then some goat's hair, tan skins, goat skins, and then all these oil for the lamps and all these onyx stones and fragrant incense and all these things that God said, look, go and get a contribution from the people so that I may have this tabernacle, this Ark of the Covenant, these priestly garments so that the people may worship me. Now, church, think about this for a moment, okay? The people were slaves for 400 years. They had nothing. Where in the world did they get gold and silver? And then even blue. I know, I know again, everyone, how many people are wearing blue this morning? You're wearing something blue. Okay, raise your hand up. Anybody wearing any purple up in here? Anybody wearing any purple right now? Okay, a couple purple people um, up in this place. I know it's so common nowadays, but but back then, blue... And purple fabric was some of the most difficult fabric to make. In fact, oftentimes blue and especially purple, it was only worn by royalty or very rich people. So where in the world did they get gold and silver and blue and purple and all these rich things from? God had already provided for his people to worship him. In fact, God himself, he plundered the Egyptians to provide for his people. In Exodus chapter 3, verse 21, it says, The Lord says, look, I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And when you go, you shall not go empty. But each woman shall ask of her neighbor. And any woman who lives in her house for silver and gold, jewelry, and for clothing, you shall put them on your sons and your daughters. So you shall plunder the Egyptians. Then in Exodus chapter 12, verse 34, So the people... Look, God had already provided for his people to be generous in this building of this place to be able to worship him. In fact, we see that God, being generous to his people, was actually a very designed to turn their hearts back to what they were created for in worshiping the Lord and giving him glory. In fact, it's the same thing Jesus would even say in Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, where he says, look, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Come on, church. Is your treasure right now in your possessions? Is your treasure right now in all of your stuff? Your stuff is not to be the Lord of you. Your money is not to be the Lord and leader of you, but you are to submit your stuff to the Lord. May God challenges people that when they've been given so much, that they would turn this around as an act of worship to the Lord. In fact, that's one of the reasons why we stay around here when we're talking about our tithes and our offerings, like giving to the Lord, that it is not out of obligation, but it is an act of worship. When you realize just how much God has provided for you. Yes, I know many of you work hard. I know you work hard and what you have, you've earned. But if you are in Christ, you know that not even one thing can be received unless it is first given from heaven. You know that God owns everything anyway. And we are called to be stewards and managers of what the Lord has given us. So come on, right now, in 2024, like, are you letting your possessions and your money be the Lord and leader of you? Or are you letting the Lord be Lord over your money and your possessions? Because worshiping the Lord, bowing down your lives in every area, including your finances, bowing down your life to bring him glory, Seeing that even in this area, I am to give the Lord reverence and respect and honor. Even in this area, points to a heart that sees that generosity and worship are connected. It points to the fact that you declare with your life, at the end of the day, you know what? God has already provided for me. So when I give back to him, it is not out of obligation. It is an act of worship. Look, as our worship team comes back to the stage, I wanted to give you a couple of steps to take at home this week. The first step I want to challenge you to do, okay, is that you would choose to pre-decide. That this week, that you would choose to pre-decide. And maybe for you, like, it's, it's saying, you know what, again, unless I'm sick, um, unless my job calls me into work, and I would even say, look, if your job keeps calling into work to even to push back some and say, you know what, going to church be in the church, like this is not just something I do, it is who I am. It's something that I wanna prioritize. I'd even challenge you to push back on them a little bit and say, look, I need to have time where I'm prioritizing going to my church. So maybe you need to choose to pre-decide corporate worship will be a priority. Or maybe it's even being more priestly for God's glory in your home. Again, whether moms or dads, come on, students in the room, young adults in the room, you are a royal priesthood. Are you making it all about you? Are you turning the attention back to your Heavenly Father? Are you calling more and more people to worship the Lord and to bring him glory, to find their purpose in him? And maybe it's choosing to predecide whatever it takes to do that. That is what I'm going to do. And maybe for some of you, the step you need to take at home this week is that you need to check your posture. Again, worship means to bow down to the Lord to bring him glory. So maybe this is the week for you to bow down and maybe you haven't yet repented and believed and trusted in the gospel. Man, this is the week to do that. In fact, this is the day of salvation. Would you repent of your sin, believe in Jesus and receive him as the Lord and leader of your life? Well, maybe it's even checking your posture, getting your purpose, why you're here or even your finances. Have you bowed down every area of your life to the Lord? And then this last one, we're going to give you an opportunity to do this in a moment. Would you choose to praise, praise God this week more and even a little bit louder? Would you choose to praise him? Look, some of you, look, I know that you've been heavily invested in the 21 days of prayer and fasting. And I, I know it's coming to a, a conclusion. Um, I know, like, the time is wrapping up. Uh, but I want to challenge you that as you step out of this moment we've been in, And then step into even the next 21 days that you would praise the Lord. And maybe right now you're in a season, man, you feel like, man, there's a weight on you, man. You feel like everyone's against you, like the the world is going crazy. Look, God is working in the world right now, church. God is still good and he's still God. He's sovereign over it all. So what if this week, instead of complaining about everything, what if this week in seeing like the, bad in everything, what if this week you took some extra time and you simply praise the Lord? Look, some of you just need to go home today. And you, you need to get out a piece of paper. and You need to write down everything that you have, everyone that's good in your life, and just make a list of all the things that you have. I'm talking about, I'm talking about even toilet paper, writing it down and praising God that I have toilet paper in my house. And man, you will see that the Lord has been so good to you. You'll see that he has provided for you, you'll see that, look, part of my purpose in life is to bring honor and glory to the Lord. So would you praise him a little bit more this week? And then again, I don't know what you walked in here with today. I know some of you walked in here and was like, I can't believe this thing be down my vision again. Like, again, I don't like that song. And why aren't they singing like, oh, happy day or uh, amazing grace today? And where's my hymns at? Okay. I don't know what you walked in here with today. But as we sing this last song today, it's not about you. It's about the one that we give our lives to. It's the one who thought your life was worth so much that he laid on his life for you. So as we worship him, would you sing a little bit louder in this last song? Would you extol the one and only God? Would you extol the one that real purpose, real life is found? Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for who you are. And Lord, I know that, Lord, reading through these uh, passages in Exodus, God, sometimes we get bogged down with all the details, but Lord, I praise you that even in this, Lord, you had great purpose in it. And Lord, as you're trying to p- literally pull Egypt out of your people, as you're trying to show them that, that, that there is a better culture, a better God, the only God that deserves their worship and praise, bowing down their lives through serving him with everything they are with sacrifice and adoration as you're giving them detail by detail little by little god i pray that you would help us little by little to continue to step into our purpose in worshiping you and bringing you glory god may be a priority for us in every area of our lives not just on Sunday morning, but yes, Lord, on Sunday morning, may we gather together and walk in here realizing realize that it is not about us, Lord. It is about you. Amen. we praise you with everything that we are on Sundays, but all throughout the week. Lord, help us to bow down and to worship you. We love you, God. In Christ's name.